0: hey welcome back to prime your day prime your midlife and today we're talking about relationships it's one of the five fundamentals for a good midlife and we've got claire downham the queen of calm here to talk about what makes relationships and how to keep yourself calm in them enjoy the show today and please do feel free to share this with a friend or rate us at the end thank you so much Welcome back to Prime Your Day, Prime Your Midlife. And today, it's all about relationships. And at the end of the day, when you know your life comes to an end, the relationships you've had with your significant others is going to be one of the most important things that will be with you. And today, I've got an absolute relationship mistress, master, whatever you want to call her. Claire Downham is the Queen of Calm. And she's going to give us some really important tips, advice, and thoughts about how we can maintain effective and long-lasting relationships. Claire Downham, welcome to the Zoom screen today. How the devil are you?
1: I'm fabulous, thank you, Chris, and I'm really grateful to be here, really excited about this conversation and where it's going to take us.
0: All right, well, let's go straight into that key word of relationships, or relationship with ourselves. What does that word mean to you, Claire?
1: Well, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think when we think about a relationship, we think about that which we have with another person, or or as you just mentioned, with ourselves. But in actual fact, we're kind of in relation with every single thing in our lives, all the circumstances, all the experiences, um, all the stuff that happens to us, um, even, you know, a bottle of water on my on my desk we're, we're in relation all the time and that really does impact on the experience of life that we have our understanding really of how those relationships are actually created mm. is, is really fundamental
0: absolutely and a lot of conversations I have with some clients is a feeling of feeling of guilt either with the relationship with uh, themselves or their children or their partners. Do you think that that is a stronger emotion that we have in the interconnected technological world we have today? Or do you think it's something that's been constantly evolving as uh, as, as human species? Guilt, do you mean? Well, guilt that they're not present yeah, or you know, they're being yeah. distracted or they've got so many plates they're trying to juggle and they don't really actually capture anything effectively.
1: I think guilt's probably always been there. Um, but I suspect, as you've mentioned, it's it's increased when we're being pulled, I think, in more different directions because we, we can never, we don't switch off, do we, from, from the world around us. It's in, I, I have a really interesting relationship with guilt because I, I, I think a lot of people think that guilt, if I feel guilty enough, I'm going to make a change. But I suspect, as you've found with your clients and I have with mine, That just fundamentally isn't true because actually, invariably, um, you know, the feeling of guilt actually just makes us feel worse. It doesn't actually make us change anything about our circumstances. I remember once um, listening to a therapist talking about um, somebody who was a gambler who they were working with. And that person was literally spending the household budget every week on gambling and felt absolutely terrible, terribly guilty but because they were using the gambling as a means to manage their feelings, feeling guilty made them feel worse, and therefore they went to seek the ease from that horrible feeling in the gambling. So it did not, it didn't it doesn't tend to make us change our behavior. Mm. In fact, behavior change doesn't it, it happens at such a different level to that really. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people do feel guilty about how how they're being. Um, in relation to other people who they they may have a close relationship with
0: okay so a close relationship and I, I hear that word behavior change so let's just say that we're in a relationship with a partner and we believe the behavior from our other partner isn't serving us why does why does that have such a important impact on us Claire well it,
1: it... Various behaviours have an impact on us or um, I I guess um, would bring about certain feelings in us, depending really on what our previous experience has been. So right from when we're very small, we're being conditioned to to have beliefs about what's right and what's wrong, how people should behave in a relationship, what's not nice in a relationship, what is nice in a relationship. So by the time we get into an adult relationship, we've already got a whole sack of stuff that we think is okay, and a, a probably a bigger sack of stuff that we think is not okay in a relationship. And and that's worth understanding as a kind of starting point. Really, is that there probably isn't a right and a wrong really it's just that we've got an idea about what's right and our partner might be doing something that we view as being as being wrong and not okay now this is not condoning any kind of unpleasant horrible behavior that you know that none of us would say was okay in any kind of relationship but when we come from a place of understanding that i suppose holding our ideas of right and wrong may be a little bit lighter Mm
0: -hmm. in
1: a relationship that we can start to see that, you know, who is right and wrong? There there probably isn't really, especially when talking about the trivialities in many relationships, which are the things that create these ridiculous, as we both know, ridiculous levels of arguments and stuff, when actually they're actually not something particularly important. It's just we've got an idea about how it should be and the other person's doing it differently.
0: Yeah. And what about this principle of uh, of cause and effect, certainly from an NLP perspective, people talk about taking responsibility and we should live at cause and not at effect. Uh, But sometimes, particularly, I've seen this sometimes when people talk about uh, your childhood and well, you should take responsibility. But at that time, we were not really able to take responsibility for our actions. But as adults, we can take responsibility So where's the guilty party, do you think, when it comes to having responsibility and taking that or running away from something that we're not brave enough to tackle? So um,
1: I think that, I mean, let's take an example of something, you know, our partner does something and we feel a feeling of anger or frustration with that thing that our partner is doing where the mistake is often made is the idea that that feeling is coming from that person or their behavior that and that's when we tend to react and not really well probably not be able to particularly take responsibility for us and we may then end up in a place of regret or guilt afterwards because actually we speak unpleasantly to our partner we shout at them we you know do whatever that storm off or whatever we might do and that's because we're in a place of misunderstanding um, and that's all it is really and actually we can be a bit kind of with ourselves when we realize that we're just in a place of misunderstanding we're in a misunderstanding about where our feelings are coming from if we think our feelings are coming from anything in the outside world including our partner it will seem the thing to do to act into the outside world to do something to say something to to respond well to react in some way as we become more and more conscious and aware that Actually, our feelings are this guidance. Really, they're letting us know about what our state of mind is right now. Then we tend to make very different decisions. We might give ourselves a moment to pause. We might, you know, ground ourselves in some way in the present moment. We might take a breath. We might just say, "Can I have a just? I just need five minutes, you know," and take ourselves away, but in a in a kind of more calm way. Um, And then it still doesn't mean that later on when we're in a car, when we've let that thinking pass and we've let that feeling pass, which it does naturally when when we let it, it it doesn't mean that later on we might not say to our other half, actually, that's not really okay. The way you spoke to me, how you did that, I, I would prefer you didn't do it like that. And But we'll come from a such a different place Mm -hmm. than if we're coming from the idea that they're creating our feeling we can still have preferences we can still prefer to be treated in a certain way but when we when we think the actual feeling is coming from the other person the reaction is is much more fired up really
0: so is that one of your main recommendations is is just to pause take a breath and really try to look at it more holistically is as to why is this happening where where is this coming from and then expressing your feeling with a certain amount of of adultness and i say that in a bit of a condescending way but but trying to be less combative and more mm, interesting why has that just happened kind of uh, debate
1: yeah I mean I think that where I point people to is just to understand where the feeling is coming from because from that place they will then do what occurs to them to do mm-hmm. I I don't really I don't really advise people what to do really once people really understand that deeply that that feeling is coming from their thought in the moment and not from the outside world not from the other person then what makes sense for them to do will Will be all sorts of different things. You know, for some people, it might be a moment of separation to take a breath. It might be just they can they can they can do it themselves. I think it's it's the hardest place to do it in in a relationship with somebody as close to you because I still often believe that my feelings are coming from my fiance. <laughs> um, if it's if if I get for example I get a message I don't like, it's much easier because I can just put my phone down and give myself a minute. And just kind of whew, you you clearly got a lot of thinking about this, Claire. Give yourself a minute, allow yourself, and then I might go back to my phone later and I might not reply, or I might reply with something that was kind that kind of says, no, that's not okay, but from a you know, from a calmer place. But when somebody's there in front of you, it is always going to be tricky. But the more you realize that another person is not creating your feelings. Yes the more free you are, really. Yeah. Like that's a place of such freedom when you realise that. But it doesn't happen overnight. We've been told for years that our feelings are coming from the outside world and we are still being told that day in and day out yeah. by the news, by social media, by all sorts of things. Um, and so it's it's quite tricky to start with to, to kind of undo that, that way of seeing that how the world works.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's certainly two authors who I respect massively, which is Viktor Frankl and uh, Edith Eger, And they both talk about the importance of having your own feelings within and nobody else can control your own feeling unless you decide that they have that control over your own thoughts. Uh, so if anybody ever wants to read those two books, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl and uh, Edith Egger, uh, either The Choice or The Gift, uh, two really, really uh, good books. So if it's something really trivial and we just think oh, it's just so small, I can't believe that Claire keeps on leaving uh, you know, her pyjamas on the floor and every morning I pick them up and I pick them up <laughs> for her. And then it just becomes more and more layered of frustration. How do we deal with something just so small but then it becomes manifested as something so big and then turns into another massive argument because you say, can't believe you've done that. And then you say, and then I say, well, yeah, but it's just the same as the dishes. You always leave those out every day. I come home from work and there's bloody mess everywhere. And it, before you know it, it's just boom. How, how do we, how do we uh, suppress some of that? I, I did that doesn't happen by the way. <laughs> I said that with far too much emotion. Oh, you me? say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I think, again, it's by realising that we are living in a thought-created reality. And and when it comes to other people, what that means is that, like in this conversation now, Chris, there are four beings. There's a me and a you, and then there's my perception of you and your perception of me. Um, And then probably our own self-perception as well. Like, who knows which bit of that is actually true and real? And when we're in relation with another person, what we tend to do is we tend to put like yours and put things into little boxes. This is the box where they do that kind of thing. Oh, they've done it again. Look, I'll just put that evidence in the box. And and when we once we've got a belief about somebody being a certain kind of person, we we tend to see more of that behavior. So one I often talk about is, is bin emptying. Um, because this is not a sexist company, it's man's work, isn't it, emptying the bin's <laughs> That's, the, that's a joke in our house. It's just a joke. But um, if I had decided that my fiancé was really where, Where's the cool. bin anyway? <laughs> Do you know where the washing machine is, Chris? <laughs> is that
0: where the bin is?
1: <laughs> but if I think my fiancé is rubbish at emptying the bins, then every time I go in the kitchen, I will see a full bin. If the bin is empty, my, my, my worldview will just not take that on board. My consciousness will just... Not take that into my awareness. It will not. I will not be aware of an empty bin because an empty bin doesn't fit my belief about my fiance not emptying the bins. So we, and it's just there's just something powerful in knowing that there's not anything to do about it, but to know that when we're wound up about something somebody else is doing. That well, first of all, it's the wind-up feeling isn't coming from them or what they're doing. But second of all, that we're creating them as they are, and I've I've seen this in, in not in my my very closest relation, but in relation with people who are around Bruce and I in terms of exes and things like that. To see how those individuals have changed, in inverted commas, have they? or has my perception of them changed? I I don't know where the two meet. It's almost like considering the size of the universe who, who knows where the two, my perception, how they really are, where those meet. But just in knowing that, that, that we're creating that individual, we cannot create an, an objective reality with our conditioned thinking Mm. and just knowing that allows us when we're getting upset to kind of, take it with a pinch of salt, have a little think about it, have, take a step back, think, well, you know, am I am I creating this monster here? You know, what, what am I doing? What, what part am I playing in this? I suppose is probably a good question.
0: So a sense of perspective, it, I can't believe I'm actually getting triggered by this bin uh, in the big scheme of things. How, how important is this? So when you're working with a, a client one-to-one relationship and, you know, they're offloading all of this He did this. He did that. She did this. She said that. I can't believe this happened. How do you become agnostic and also then enable them to be empowered enough to see what needs to change?
1: Well, it's interesting because as you were doing that impression of a person who who was like the first thing I would say to them from that place would be, how are you feeling right now? And they would say, well, I feel really angry because he's done this and he's done that. And, da, 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 da. and then we would start that exploration because I would say, well, he's not here. Have you noticed? He's not actually here. There's just me and you. So where do you think that feeling? We start to explore and get curious. And a lot of what I point people to is to try and see how this is working out in their life. So this morning, this is a great, my cleaners came in and we were chatting and, my ex-husband lives next door I'm not afraid to admit it's quite a comedy comedy thing in my life but um but then they were talking about how the fact they parked in front of his drive would that be okay so I started talking about him and I could feel myself getting into a little bit of Claire Ranty mode and I just said to them but I'm not going to talk about that because I can feel it's making me feel awful and I just stopped Now that's come from a while of looking in this direction, but now I start to notice the things that don't feel nice. And I know that it's me doing that. And it just, as my awareness has grown, it makes less and less sense to keep doing that. And so when I'm in a conversation with a client, it's about helping them to notice that themselves, to get curious about, you know, actually when they're not thinking about their husband's behavior or whatever, noticing that you know actually they're not feeling it because they're not thinking about it or talking about it or ranting about it it's still there the husband's probably still doing those things but if you're not thinking about it and talking about it and winding up about it it, you don't feel it because it isn't the thing that's creating the feeling
0: okay well let's talk about something a little bit more uh, positive which is uh, how we have a better connection with our partner and how we really have an enduring long lasting good effective uh, connected relationship so what's your what's your kind of steps on that to have a really nice long connected relationship with a partner
1: um i mean i would say listening absolutely is probably the most important thing to just to be present with them as they are right now. There's a lovely book by Steve Chandler called Right Now. And he talks about Dory, who's Nemo's little friend in Finding Nemo. And she has short-term memory loss. And really what he says about that is that she turns up fresh and new to every interaction. She doesn't bring the baggage of the unemptied bins and the stuff from the past into her interactions with those characters, even though in the previous scene they might've tried to eat her. I'm not sure how helpful that is for her, really, but but she, you know, she just comes in fresh and new to every interaction. Because I heard somebody say a few weeks ago, um, another coach like me, she just said, "There's no such thing as a relationship. There's being in relation with somebody moment by moment, and actually, if we can be present and listen and connect to that person in the moment." We can have like a fresh and new experience all the time, Mm -hmm. even if we've fallen out with them half an hour ago. Um, We can, you know, so presence and listening is really, Mm -hmm. really important.
0: And do you think society gives us some expectations where we're never really going to be able to live up to the expectation of what a perfect relationship could be?
1: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm kind of a bit detached from the news and I don't spend masses of time on social media but I can I can see particularly probably for you know our our children's generation there is that is becoming increasingly problematic and but yeah you don't know what's going on I know there's a court case at the moment isn't there you you don't know what's going on behind closed doors in anybody's relationship And I'd say to that, you know, stay in your own lane. If you're spending a lot of time looking at other people's relationships, then you're not focusing on yours. And that's where you can make a difference and create something that works for you and your partner Mm -hmm. that's really got nothing to do with anybody else. Because what you enjoy and what, like, we think we're going to enjoy somebody else's lifestyle or relationship style or whatever. But if we actually got into that, we probably find that we didn't whereas if from the present moment we're creating our relationship day by day and we and the path is going to look like and the path is not going to be this straight it's going to be like that it's accepting that that's how a relationship grows mm-hmm. from the present moment from our presence and listening and connection yeah not not by trying to make ours be like somebody else's because there's eight billion ways of thinking so our relationship won't be right if it's like somebody else's relationship because we're we're two different people to everybody else.
0: Well it's a great point. And also it's the the advice or, or, or incorrect advice of others. So I know you said there's four of us in this call, but actually maybe there's there's six because it's our ego that is also influenced by the opinion of others that also comes in somebody says you know make sure claire doesn't allow you to do that thing again i'm telling you the next time she does that you must do this and then the ego starts to try to take control of the conversation as well so how do we how do we silence the critics in in that world where somebody else is almost telling you that this is the way forward and you must do this the next time this happens and you don't feel that's actually best serving you
1: Mm, that is a good question because like yeah like we've just said it you know just by looking on social media we can look like there's all sorts of rules for life and um, but then we may have people in our families and other close relationships who are directly telling us that there are rules on how to do life i guess again what goes on behind your closed doors is 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 up to you and and i suspect if there are people giving us advice they will not be in a place of understanding actually what I'm sharing today about how your experience is created, Mm -hmm. your experience is created inside out. So your experience is unique to you. And so your experience with your partner is unique to you. And again, I would say those people who are telling you what to do and how to live your life, you'll work out how to live your life in the present moment when you understand that your partner isn't making you feel anything, that that you your riled up feeling is telling you that you're you're out of your lane, you're in the rumble strips, and you're about to go off the road. It, you know, you'll you'll work it out from there. Mm. And I guess to trust yourself and know that you've always got wisdom and innate intelligence and, you know, the power of the universe powering you through. And it's always available to you yeah. when yeah. you're in the present moment. You don't need anybody else's advice.
0: Well, that's a great point. And somebody, I, I think I heard a podcast somewhere, is that you should never moan about your relationship with anybody else other than a professionally trained counsellor or somebody who's specialist on that. In the same way, you wouldn't talk about your health related deficiencies of your back with anybody other than a qualified A surgeon or a GP. So, should we just stop moaning about our relationships altogether with others that are gossip mongers and sort of uh, doomslayers and are just looking to grab hold of this salacious gossip?
1: Well, I think we'd feel a heck of a lot better if we did that, because of course it's the moaning. Like I said this morning, when I started moaning about my ex husband to my cleaners, immediately I started to feel awful. And, and of course, if we're creating awful feelings for ourselves, that's putting our bodies under a level of strain and stress. It's not healthy for us. Um, yeah. And I think if we're speaking out loud moans about our, Um, you know, about our other half, we're probably embedding those beliefs, those negative beliefs of them, even even more firmly than they were there already. Yes. And and again, I think other people will give you a piece of advice from their thinking, because that's all they've got. They're innocent psychologically. They're not deliberately trying to cause a problem, but they only have what they know. And what you know in the moment, not what you know from your baggage from God knows when, but what you know in the moment, is the most important thing how you know how connected you are to the present moment we've always got the answers inside us
0: yeah yeah and they could be encouraging you to change lanes when actually you just need to stay in your lane and be be a bit more persistent because the journey is the journey it's not about changing direction sometimes you just got to go a little bit further a little bit deeper and work a little bit harder to, to to make the lane the right lane so listening being control of our own thoughts, not moaning and sharing those thoughts with others. What's your best way for you to be happy in a relationship, Claire?
1: Hmm, that's interesting actually, because I've really only had two major relationships in in my adult life, and that was the one with my ex-husband and the one with my fiance now. Um I think I'm I'm probably a very different person to the person I was in my marriage. Um I think I think understanding that he's always doing the best he can with the thinking that looks real to him is really important. And also that I'm doing that too. And so when we were talking earlier about guilt, I I, I don't experience a lot of guilt. If I lose my rag with my fiance and get upset with him about something it passes really quickly. And part of the reason it passes really quickly is that I don't, I don't waste my time thinking about me and feeling bad about me. It falls away, you know, the anger falls away. And then I focus on making amends with him. That, that's one of the real problems with guilt actually, is that we, we're so caught up in it and we're therefore so caught up in ourselves really, that we're not present enough to say, sorry to the other person so saying sorry is massive i say sorry probably most days at some point even if it's just because i've snapped a minute or you know not being kind in some way or you know i'm human too
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um so yeah always saying sorry being present um listening all those things really that i've already said it's it's a lot simpler than we think Mm -hmm. um it's been made, like we've said, so much more complicated by looking at what other people think a relationship should look like. Yeah, and that's the other thing is Bruce and I stay in our lane. Like we know what we like. We know what we like to do together. We know the level of time we like to spend together. We know, you know, how much of other things we like. you know, Like all of it, we know what we like between the two of us and we actually don't give two hoops what anybody else is doing. I love that. I think that's really important.
0: Yeah. Really and important. I, I also like to express gratitude on the basis that I just want to say thank you or mm. thank you for being present or thank you for listening. Thank you for understanding and, and actually sending some of those notes quite, you know, f- physically through voice notes, not just to my significant other, but also to business contacts or friends or people who have done something. Just like today, you know, I'm I'm appreciating your time and grateful for the fact you're allowing us to share the camera today to talk about something that's so important. So Mm. uh, that's a good tip for me to, to really express gratitude for others. Okay. So we're just going to share your contact details here. And I'm going to ask you to think about uh, maybe three fundamental takeaways for us to live with, to try to make sure that from this point on relationships are are, are really effective. What about one of my mum's, uh, tips was never sleep on an argument is is that an old wives tale or is that something you believe to be true
1: hmm yeah i don't imagine it's a good idea really but i would say it's it's is it true or not i don't know i guess it's true if it's true feels true for you then go with it i would say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i suspect you don't sleep so well if you go to sleep on an argument
0: no, but sometimes you, you also wake up in a different space, don't you? And I know yeah. I can remember sometimes when I've had an argument and then you know, something let's just say I was having an argument with you right now, and then um the dog comes in and runs in and smacks his face on the table and cuts his, you know, cuts his cheek open. We're immediately going to suddenly go, Oh, hang on a minute, the the dog, and then you know, the dog will be all right. And then we suddenly what what? What were we talking about before? Oh, for goodness sake. Oh, well, that's ridiculous. And it's that sort of pattern interrupt that allows us to take space, have reverence and have a bit of grace to know that uh, what a preposterous thing that we're getting ourselves in us think about.
1: I think what happens in that moment is our thinking moves. Yes. We're yeah, caught yeah. up in a tornado between the two of us, aren't we? And then, and then the, the pattern interrupt, like you say, it just shifts our thinking. Oh, and
0: I mean, you, you can't, can't get back to the, you know, the two gorillas are kind of in the ring and right. We're you know we're gonna. Oh, I can't believe she just said that. And calm down.
1: And you can't you can't find the same level of energy about it afterwards, can you? It's just gone. You yes, can't. Yes. It's just not there anymore. You can't grasp it anymore. It's it's just disappeared. Um, which is really interesting, isn't it? Because it, it felt when you and that's the thing about thought creating our reality that that I heard something about I was listening to a book called a guy called a book called Joe Bailey this morning and he said um he tells this little story about there's there's uh some young fish swimming around in a tank and the old fish swims up to them and says how's the water and they go what water because we're swimming around in thought our thought created reality and we haven't a clue we don't know we're doing it Um, we we just we have no until we start to get some awareness of thought creating our experience we don't realize that's what's happening because it's the most powerful creative force in the universe it's like you know it's amazing what it can create when it's directed (laughs) helpfully but it can also create daymares all the time that we believe
0: well there you we could have a whole new conversation about that but you're totally on point there with the fact that the thoughts we create are the energy that flows, and being very aware of the thoughts that we're having and what impact that has on others is is such a good uh, habit for life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you want to hear more or talk to Claire, even then, uh, if you're watching now, you can you can see these on the screen. Uh, she is uh, Claire Downham, and she is the Queen of Calm. And I've had lots of conversations with her, and I always leave calmer than i started so uh, there's a good adage as a testimony for you she's claire at UniqueJourney.co.uk, and website is claire downham it's c-l-a-r-e without an i downham.com and if you go to linkedin you can find her at claire downham queen of calm so claire three fundamentals for a really effective relationship where Sorry, would you start
1: Yeah, so they're they're interesting, the three interesting things, because I'm not going to tell you anything to do, but these are things that help you to understand how it works. And it's like anything, once we understand how it works, we just can work it better, really. And you know, learning to drive is a great example. Once you can operate the car, you can go all sorts of places and avoid accidents and do all sorts of things. Once we understand our human psychology better, we can operate better in our relation with everything, including other people. So the first thing is that, that we cannot be made to feel anything by anyone or anything or any circumstance our feelings don't aren't created by the outside world and we can't get them from the outside world either and i think in relationships that is so so important to know that because it just gives you a completely different starting point in terms of when you are in relation with another person so the second thing is is, is that people are all thinking their own special way And there are, you know, 8 billion-ish ways of thinking in the world right now. I'm not sure about how much thinking babies and toddlers do. But beyond that, everybody's got their own way of thinking. And that means that when people do things that we don't like, they really are doing the best they can, depending on their level of consciousness and their thinking. And, and we've all been in a place where a thinking, a thought has looked 100% real in one moment, and five seconds later we realise that thought was utter rubbish. But by then we've acted on it, we've put something out into the world, we've said something, we've done something. So having that realisation that everybody's doing the best they can with the thinking that looks real to them allows us to just fall naturally, without any forcing, into a place of compassion and understanding. And in a relationship, that is just so important. And the third thing is that as a result of of the the first two, first one mostly, our, our feelings are not an indicator of somebody else or something else. They are an indicator of our state of mind. So it's a bit like having your own amazing warning system. I mean, actually, We're being taught a lot to control our feelings or squash them down or try and get rid of them, whether that's with unhealthy things like chocolate and alcohol and drugs or with many, many tools and techniques and things to try and get rid of feelings. But that's like switching off Well, it's like putting a piece of cardboard over your car dashboard and then driving around all day and wondering why you you got done for speeding three times, you've run out of fuel and you've blown your head gasket because you've got no oil in your engine. We can't, we're trying to switch off our feelings, but our feelings are information about what we're thinking in the moment and how we're, how much consciousness and energy we're giving that particular thought. And from that space of understanding that, we can get curious about what's going on. You know, what what, what am I believing here that isn't true? What, you know, is it should thinking? Is it future thinking? Often with other people, it's should thinking, i.e. they should or shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's often comes up a lot with relationships. So, yeah, those are my three things to know about how we function as human beings, which can be really helpful in relationships.
0: Well, I want to appreciate you for those three uh, just huge nuggets of of wisdom. A lot of what you're talking about is really, I get a sense of reflection or pausing for thought or just taking a sense of, hmm, I'm just curious about what I'm thinking now and, and where that's coming from. Do you... Do you physically meditate or take a deep breath or check out somewhere to to get hold of your individual feelings? What's your technique, Claire?
1: Well, it's there isn't one. Everything I do comes from the place of knowing how it works. So in the moment, sometimes, let me tell you, Chris, I don't know. And I lose my rag. Really? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yes. You see, I'm the queen of calm, but You don't have to live with me. Um, so, so most of the time I catch myself because I'm aware. Bloody <laughs> I'm
0: aware. of that bin.
1: I'm aware. Yeah, it's all about the bin. Um, I, a lot of the time now I am aware that I'm getting out, but sometimes I will miss it completely. I'm still a fish swimming in, you know, a human swimming in thought, like fish swimming in water too. But in the moment when I notice it, it is often for me a breath, a moment of, you know, this morning when I was chatting to the cleaners, I think I, I kind of probably just, I just put my feet on the floor a bit more and kind of settled. and, get, and then, But I just noticed and I said out loud, I'm not going to talk about him because it feels awful. And it, it's that knowing, it's, We it's we react completely differently if we think the feeling is coming from the outside world because it makes sense to act in the outside world. In the moment when we realise the feeling is coming from us, it makes sense to do something completely not in the outside world. And so for me that often, I did a live a few weeks ago and I got to about the eighth minute and realised I was ranting. And and, in, and and so there's a live live video out there where I literally just go, oh, I'm ranting. And then I stop and I go, oh, we shouldn't be ranting really. And then my feet are on the floor. I've taken a breath. And the whole level of the live just went down to a completely different level just because I'd realized I was doing it. It's just the realization and awareness. That's all it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said to me, self-awareness is uh, is self-development and having that ability to be honest enough to, to say that you're not serving yourself as well as you could. And therefore you're having an impact on others. For me, it's breathing. It's always Get a really nice deep breath, and then a long out, do that maybe two or three times, and immediately the whole kind of nervous system and the heart slows down. And that also creates its own, um, uh, sort of positioning statement to myself to say, just calm it down. I
1: Isn't think it gets amazing? easier to get older. Do
0: you think it gets easier to get older? What do, you, what do you think?
1: Um, I mean, I know some very aware younger people, um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think we could we could be teaching children this stuff. Yeah. And that would have and teenagers, but probably especially teenagers, bless them. Um because there seems to be an increase in the idea that the world works outside in. I think it's actually getting worse as the you know, the younger generation see more in this place of thinking the outside world creates their experience. I mean, you'll probably love this, Chris. They've just banned clapping at Manchester University because it was upsetting people. So, yeah.
0: With that... (laughs) I think yeah, <laughs> that's going to be a whole rabbit hole to just dive into and have a yeah yeah. I think we
1: should have another conversation about that.
0: <laughs> uh, like I said, I want to really appreciate you for your time and your wisdom. You've dropped some really sage advice here today as to how we can live better with both ourselves and also the relationship with others. Uh, any last things that we can do to help you in terms of your future quest for relationship calm this year?
1: No, I mean just any anybody wants to reach out for conversation um please, please do that it's always a pleasure to share and if people have heard something whilst we've been talking and they think, oh actually there might be something there then you know reach out and we'll have a conversation that's always a lovely place to start
0: beautiful thank you again uh ladies and gentlemen if you listen to this then there's plenty more things like this on primary day primary life if you like it share it move it on or if you've had an argument maybe just get them to watch this <laughs> Thank you so much, Claire. Thank you, Chris. It's
1: been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it.
0: Okay, thank you. So that was another episode of Prime Your Day, Prime Your Midlife. Today, talking all about relationships. If you enjoyed the show today, then please rate us on your favorite podcast methodology and then come back to listen to more episodes soon around all of our five fundamentals of the things that drive us in midlife. For now, remember, one life, love life, living life.